Good morning. Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here. It's pretty cool looking out and seeing all the Christmas sweaters and the creativity of people. And uh, thank you for participating and just helping just to share that wonder of Christmas. I just, it, it truly is my most favorite time of the year. And to be here today and to celebrate it with you guys, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, Brother Donald. Uh, with you ladies and gentlemen, it is a wonderful, wonderful time of year. It's wonderful because people are generous. It's wonderful because of the decorations. It's wonderful because of all the things we get to do. But it's truly wonderful because Jesus was born and he carried out his mission and died, lived and died so we could have eternal life. And I am grateful to him that we get to worship him this morning. So we are in the middle of a series. We're calling it the characters of Christmas. Last week we looked at the man Joseph. But let me tell you this. Don't confuse the word character with fiction. Don't confuse the word character with make-believe. Um, I could have easily called it the main players of Christmas or the people of the Christmas story. But characters of Christmas alliterates and it helps me remember it. And so that is why we chose that. But we're talking about very real people who were involved in a very real event that absolutely changed the world. So last week, we entered the scandal of Nazareth. We walked into the middle of a story where a young couple who was engaged and not supposed to be involved in sexual activity, we're now going to have to announce that they were with child. Now that was all well and good, except for one thing. One of them didn't know it, and it was the father. And so we were studying and we were learning about this man, Joseph, who was in the middle of a dilemma. His fiancée was going to have a child that was not his. And in the middle of his dilemma of trying to decide what was he going to do, because we knew from Scripture that he could quietly put her away, publicly shame her, or gruesomely stone her. And all were in his rights. In the middle of him trying to decide what he was going to do in this situation, he had a dream. Scripture tells us that the angel Gabriel came to him and said, Don't worry, this child... This in Mary is from God. She has conceived it by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, being a just man and a righteous man, knew the scripture and he knew the history that would one day there would become, there would come a savior to the people of Israel, and that he would be born of a virgin. You see, Isaiah told about it in 7:14. He said, A virgin will conceive a child. And Joseph, in the middle of his dilemma, in the middle of a dream, made a decision. He made a decision that he would be the agent of God, that he would be the one that would be the earthly father of a heavenly child, that he would be the one that would walk beside this most magnificent mom and be the earthly daddy to Jesus. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, the Scripture says that he was given a name. And it says to us later on as we read that when this baby was born, that he named him Jesus. 
And he named him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Well, that's one of our characters of Christmas. It's one of the people that we need to understand. And we learn from Joseph that we need to trust God. We learn from Joseph that we need to be a person of faith. But then we've got this next person that we're going to introduce to us this morning. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 actually begins an awful lot like Matthew chapter 1 in that it tells us some things. But in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, reads like this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women." But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, What you talking about? (laughs) She said, How can this be? Since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now you're talking about shock. You're talking about awe. You're talking about something happening in your life that is going to change your world. This is what's going on in Mary's life. The angel walks in and says, rejoice. And she's like, okay, here's somebody from God. Surely he's going to tell me something that's awesome and amazing. And she's like, woohoo, I'm happy. And then he says, oh, by the way, what I want you to rejoice about is that even though you have not yet been with a man, you're going to have a child. Now she's like, wait a minute, I'm not rejoicing right now. Because this makes no sense to her. This is not how it works. This is not normal. She knows the law. 
She knows that Joseph, her betrothed, the Joseph, the one that she loves, the Joseph that she has pledged to live her life with, she knows that as a just and a righteous man that he has three choices. No matter what she says to God, no matter if she's down with it or not down with it or it's good or it's not good, she knows that he's got some options. She knows that this man could walk in and say, it's okay, sweetie, but now you got to leave. She knows that he can go into the center of the city and shout out, she has been unfaithful. And she knows that he can also call the city together and stone her to death. So she's not just sitting there all of a sudden like I was three weeks ago when Dallas walks in the house and says, Hey, Dad, you're going to be a granddad and everything is wonderful because it goes one, two, three, and I know exactly how it's working and I know what caused it and all of that good stuff. I mean, it's natural. But this is not what's happening in the life of Mary. And so here she is, being visited by an angel, which I'm sure was strange. Being told, she's, even though she's a virgin, she's going to have a child. Which is, I'm sure, shock. And then she's told about something with one of her family members. It says, she was called barren, but now in her old age, she's going to have a child. Did Mary understand? Did Mary comprehend? Uh, did Mary know what was going on in her life? I don't know. But I know that after the angel looked at her and said to her these words, For God, nothing will be impossible. She said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's where she went. I don't know the emotions. I don't know what was going on in her mind. I don't even, can't even comprehend where she might have been. But there are things that we can take out of this lady's life. That when we look at them, that we can apply them and we can become Behold your servant, let it be according to your word. Because really that's the ultimate goal for everybody in this room today. Is no matter what God allows, no matter what God introduces into your life, you want to be, yes, I'm available. So the first thing that we look at this morning when we look at the life of Mary is we look at Mary's character. If we go back to verse 26, it says to us, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth. It's a hill country. It's a place that would have been somewhat of a surprise to even the most cursory follower of God. The more, even the, the most loosely religious. Because you see, it wasn't Bethlehem, it wasn't Rome, it wasn't Athens, it wasn't the center of culture, it wasn't the center of knowledge, it wasn't the center of commerce, it wasn't the center of finance. In fact, it was a place in the hill country that had become the spot you didn't want to be from. It had become the place that had been overrun by pagans. It was the place that if God was going to visit, surely He wouldn't have gone there. And so, 
Here we go in the initial steps of the story. We find out, first of all, an angel on a mission went to a city we would not have expected to deliver a message that's shocking to a girl that was unaware. Who ultimately said, God, have your way with me. So Mary's character, sitting there talking about it. The truth that we begin to learn about Mary's life is, first of all, verse 27 says, to a virgin. She was pure. It was her purity. She kept herself sexually pure. She followed what God said. And this in reference to this is purity as in in sexual purity or virgin. But I believe that it goes beyond that. That's the description. That's the miraculous. That's the ooh. That's the ah. That's the wow of the story. But this is a lady whose ways were pure. Her mind was pure. Her actions were pure. Her attitude was pure. She was one that followed the ways of God. As much as she understood it, she followed it. Now I want to tell you something. We live in a day and a time where purity is not applauded. In fact, it's the opposite of applauded. People look at you and say, oh, wait a minute, you're that? Don't you know it's 2017? Don't you know that we're free to do this and we're free to do that and and all of these things? And they say, oh, you're such a legalist. Well, I want to tell you something. We look at the law and think the law limits us. We look at the law and think, I don't want to live it. But let me give you an illustration. Did you know that every song that has ever been written, period, is contained in these six strings and ever how many frets there are? They're there. And the law of music says... That if you know the notes, if you know the meter, if you know the whatever, all the musical terms there, that you can, out of this guitar, you can pull every song that's ever been written. I cannot do that. I don't know the law of music. But I could hand it to Steve, I could hand it to Joy, I could hand it to maybe others of you. And you could take it, and out of that instrument, you could play a song. But only if you follow the law. You see, Mary understood the law. She knew that law to her was not, was not a confining thing. She knew that law to her was a liberating thing. She knew that the law for her would allow her to be the person that could be used by God for God. And so many times in our lives we walk in here and we say, Well, I'm going to follow God, but He's not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to follow God and He's not going to give me the rules. I'm going to be identified with God, but I'm not going to be surrendered to God. You see, Mary's character, she was pure. It was not her purity that that made her, it was not her virginity that made her pure. It was her attitude that made her pure. It was her decision out of an act of the will where she decided that she would be a follower of God that she was able to then follow the ways of God. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, please. There's a lie being perpetrated. There's a lie being told that says that if you surrender, you submit that you're less. And I want to tell you that if you surrender and you submit to the right thing, you are so much more. You can be what God wants you to be. And you see, the, good, the beauty of that law that contains the freedom of Christ 
The beauty of that law is it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. really doesn't matter what you've been. Because inside that law, when you follow it and you confess your sin, and you confess to God that His way is the right way, and that you've stepped out from under His control, the Scripture says that He forgives you and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. The law that liberates is the law that cleanses. The law that liberates and the law that cleanses is the law that allows you to be available to God, to be used by Him for His glory. Now I would venture to say, if we walked around this room this morning and said, do you want to be used by God? There might be one of you. There could be two of you. But I would venture to say that everybody in this room this morning would say, yes, I want to be used by God. Well, can I tell you, That as we understand and as this story unfolds for us, that the things that you begin to need to understand is Mary's character. Mary was pure. It tells us that when it describes her as a virgin. Our culture would say, it's not possible. Our culture would say, it's not preferable. But my God says, It is, and we should. So we don't only see Mary's purity in her character. In her character, we see her purity. We also see her position. Look at verse 28. It says, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. That word, those words, highly favored, that word, favored if you take it back to the original language that it was spoken in and translate it it means pursued with grace Mary because she was willing to live under the guidance of the Lord because she was willing to submit to the Lord and she was pursued by grace she was able to be used by God now notice there it says that you are Favored among women. You're blessed among women. Doesn't say above women. It doesn't say, it doesn't deify Mary. In fact, what it says is that Mary, just as everybody else needs grace, you need grace, and you're being pursued by grace. And can I tell you this morning that every one of you in this room are being pursued by grace? Let's unfold that just a little bit. The scripture says that that Jesus left heaven, came to earth, entered the body of a young virgin girl, was born by natural means, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, rose again, and is now ascended to the right hand of the Father. That's what the scripture says. Jesus said that he did all of that Not for a random act, but he did all of that to seek and to save those who were lost. And you say, well, I don't feel lost. Where am I lost? How am I lost? Um, We became lost. We became off course in the Garden of Eden through the sin of Adam and Eve. 
And from the moment of the sin of Adam and Eve, then we had to be pursued. Because in and of ourselves, we could not get to God. But God, through His Son, Jesus, pursued us. Mary was being pursued as while she was also giving birth. Jesus came for her, her position. She was highly favored. Jesus came to be born so that Mary would not get what she deserved. But he gave her mercy so that she would not get what she deserved. You are being pursued this morning no matter where you are. No matter what you've done. No matter your attitude. No matter how it was when you walked in this door in the snap of a finger, the blink of an eye. God can change your heart. God can draw you to himself. This morning in our life group lesson, we were talking about the parable of the, of the soil. And it said it can fall on hard soil. It can fall on rocky soil. It can fall on soil that is, being, that is full of thorns. See, no matter how you walked in here this morning, at any moment, the Holy Spirit is living, willing, able, and ready to till that soil, to, to de-weed that soil so that the seed of His Word can fall on you and can transform your mind and transform your thinking and make you receptive to receiving Jesus. You see, Mary was fertile soil. Mary was ready to receive Christ. She was ready to receive the will of God. And when the seed fell on her, She nurtured it, and she delivered it, and it bore fruit through her life and to all generations. This morning, I don't think you're going to have an angel that comes in and says, hey, by the way, you're pregnant, and it's the Son of God. And I'm sure some of you are going, thank you, Jesus. But in the same way, In the same way that Gabriel came to Mary some 2,000 years ago. God is approaching you today and saying, highly favored one. One who is pursued by grace. I am ready to fall on you. I'm ready to impregnate you with my word. I'm ready to impregnate you with my Holy Spirit. I'm ready to give myself to you. And I'm ready to live inside of you. I'm ready to, let, to nurture, allow you to nurture who I am. And I want... To come out of you and show the world that I'm the answer. Are you fertile soil? Are you ready this morning to receive? Mary had a character. Her character was pure. Mary had a position that was willing. She was pursued. And Mary had a posture. And I love this because look at verse 29. Verse 29 says, But when she saw him, you know what that's like, right? You're laying in bed and somebody's standing over you. And you don't know it, but then just somehow in your sleep you just go, huh? Children are amazing at that. They like can be noisy all day and then they can just creep up on you in the middle of the night and you're like, what are you doing here? Well, Mary is like that. What are you doing here? And the scripture says that she was afraid. Isn't that really cool of God? 
that God would show us the humanity of the one that was going to house his holiness? I mean, wouldn't it have been like a really cool story? It's like Mary woke up and said, I know why you're here. Bring it on. It's not what she did. She was scared. And you are going to have moments when God visits your life and God's going to say, this is what I want of you. And the devil's going to say, well, if you had faith, you wouldn't be afraid. If you were really loving Jesus, you wouldn't be startled. But he let us see Mary afraid. And all he's saying is, when, you, when I come to you, when I visit you, when I challenge you, this may be your reaction. And I want you to know that the one I chose to be the mother of my child had the same reaction. See, the startling is not the problem. It's what are you going to do with it as the visit continues. It says Mary was startled. Mary was troubled. Fear not is a message that we need to hear this Christmas. Do not be afraid. The angel told Mary, you found favor with God. Guess what? You found favor with God. I don't know what's going to happen in politics. I don't know what's going to happen with economy. I don't know what's going to happen in world events. I can't tell you. I don't know. I'm not allowed to see that far ahead. But I can tell you when I get there who's going to be there. And he says, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. That I am the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I picked you up and I'm going to take you all the way home to that moment. That's God. That's who he is. And you say, well, I get an angel. I don't think you're going to get an angel. I think you've got the Holy Spirit, which is better than an angel, because that's God himself. You see, at this point in this time, Pentecost had not happened. God visited through angels. God visited through dreams. We see her position. We see her posture. And then Dr. Luke takes us from Mary's character to Mary's child. Go to verse 31. It says in verse 30, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. <coughs> Sorry. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the Most High, the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary, you're pregnant. But this just isn't an ordinary child. This is my child. And he tells us some things about this child that Mary's going to deliver. He first of all gives us the name of the child. He says that his name will be Jesus the Lord is salvation. We sing about it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. He fills my every longing. He saves us from our sins. The name of the child, Jesus. Why? Because the Bible tells us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And who is the name of the Lord? It is Jesus. Can anyone be born again? I absolutely believe they can. Because if you're in this room today, you are a whoever. 
We see the name of the child. We see the fame of the child. Verse 32 told us that in the dialogue between Mary and the angel, the angel says, Mary, your son will be great. Now, probably every mother and every grandmother that ever lived said, my child's great. And you should believe that. But this is like a whole nother level of great. This is like immaculate great. This is like all-powerful great. This is like unselfish great. This is like really great. He says, this child, he'll make the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, the dead alive, those separated from God. He will draw them to him. The name of the child Mary's going to have, the the fame of the child that Mary's going to have, the acclaim of the child that Mary's going to have. In verse 31, it says that, that he will save people from their sins, that Jesus will be the Redeemer. Mary, you need to know what's happening in you is amazing. And I want you to know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that when Jesus comes into your heart and what's being birthed in you is no different than is what was birthed in her. You have been redeemed. And he says, I want you to go and tell people that salvation comes from the Lord. You see, this child, the Redeemer, this child is not only a Redeemer, he's a ruler. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. God made a promise to David. You remember it back there? It said, David, your throne will last forever. He fulfilled that promise through Jesus. He fulfilled it in Him. God not only says He will reign, but He will reign forever. Who's in charge of the world? Honestly, sometimes it depends on which day you're watching the news, right? And the stock market reflects that. And people's fear and apprehension reflects that. Can I tell you that God really is in control of the world? That simple little children's song, He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got you and me brother in His hands. He's got you and me sister in His hands. And Satan has tricked us. He's tricked us so bad. He's tricked us to filter our faith through politics and happenings and events. And because of that, we decide who God is. But what God says I want you to do is I want you to filter everything else through me and what comes out on the other side is I am in control. I am in charge. I don't need to look to Morning Joe. I don't need to look to Fox News tonight. Or I don't need to look to CNN to decide how I need to feel about the world and the economy and politics and events. I need to look to the one that was born in a manger to a virgin named Mary. And I need to look to him and say, I will be your follower. You see, because where Jesus was born in the day and the moment and the time that Jesus was born was not too unlike where we are today. He lived in a time of political unrest. He, looked, he, li- he was born in a time where there was um, mistreatment, there was abuse, there was racism, there was all of this stuff, there was evil happening. 
And the scripture says, for such a time as this, he was born. It was called the promise. And for such a time as this, Jesus was born. It's the name, it's the fame, it's the acclaim. So we see Mary's character. We see Mary's child. I want you to see Mary's consecration. Mary said in verse 34, How can this be, since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power, which by the way, that would have been a pretty foreign thing happening right there. This is pre-Pentecost. Remember, pre-Pentecost, Jesus, God, resided in the temple. And only the priest could go to where God was. And they had to tie a rope around him when he walked in there in case he died while he was in there. They couldn't go get him out. They had to pull him out. So what you and I enjoy 24-7, 365, this is not a regular occurrence in the lives of people. So Mary would have to have exercised faith here to say, wait a minute, God, you're going to come upon me. I thought you lived there. And he said, no, for this moment, in this time, for this situation, I'm going to visit you and I'm going to visit you with power and I'm going to visit you with a pregnancy will be the visible sign that I've been there. It says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you so that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Do you wonder? I mean, Mary's just found out this news. She hasn't really had time for morning sickness. She doesn't have a bump. She can't take a selfie in the mirror and say, baby bump and check me out and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, all she's got is the Word of God, right? Through an angel that could have been a dream, that, but she's got to believe it. So isn't it cool that God says, by the way, Elizabeth, who they called barren, is pregnant. She's in her sixth month. Now guess what? She's already had morning sickness, right? She's already got a little bump going on. I mean, she walks in the room and she said, Woo, girl, you're going to have a baby. And not only did she have a baby, it says that when Mary walked in, that that baby did a jig. And jumped. And so that Elizabeth, could confirm the whole story. In fact, if we kept on reading it, it'd say that right after she had that little visit from Gabriel, that she got up and hightailed it to where Elizabeth was. I think part was excitement. I think part was, I'm going to go check this out. If you will believe God in the moment, if you will step out and follow Him, He will confirm His presence in your life time and time and over and over and moment by moment every single time. He doesn't lead you into a place where He's not already working. will be called. Indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. 
So how did Mary respond? She acknowledged God's power. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Case closed. All things are possible with God. Say, Pastor, you don't know how I walked in here today. You don't know how hopeless my situation seems. You don't know how helpless I feel. You don't know how many times I've failed. You don't know what those, how those in my life are behaving. And you're here, and you're here with a thread of faith, and you're holding on. Going, God, I'm going to give you another chance. God, I'm going to give you another opportunity. You walk in here saying, God, could this be the day that the breakthrough happens? God, could this be the day that that thing that has grabbed me and had me for so long, could it be broken? And I want to tell you, yes, it can. The beginning point is to believe God. The beginning point is to be available to God. The beginning point is to say, God, have your way with me, your will. Your servant. And when God gives you a mission, you embrace it. You say, God, I'm willing, I'm able, I'm available to you. You see, Mary acknowledged God's power. Mary accepted God's plan. Truth, honest moment. I don't usually struggle with God's power. Because from an early age, I got taught that God is able. I got taught Philippians, and my God shall supply all of your needs. Truth, I usually get stuck on accepting God's plan. That's fair. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now. I get stuck on accepting God's plan because my plan and His plan don't always mesh. My plan and His plan don't always agree. His plan seems like it might require something of me that I don't want to give. And what I have to do is be like Mary and say, you know what? Here it is. It was never mine. It's always yours. And I will follow you. I will obey you. I will trust you. God, but you don't know how they're treating me. I am in control of all things and I am working all things for your good. Follow me. Trust me. Obey me. Walk with me. God, I can't give that up. And we hold on to it. And it's just like the instrument. Every song that's ever been written can play. But you've got to follow the laws of music to make it happen. Every good work that God has planned for you is already there inside of you. And all you have to do to unleash it is be a Mary and say, I will accept your plan. I will accept your way. I'm here, God. I will follow you. She departed, or she accepted, and when she accepted, the angel departed. And I don't know, this is just how my mind works. It did not say, Mary, you are already pregnant. It said, Mary, you will become pregnant. And the angel hung out till Mary said yes. Till Mary said yes. And when she said yes, I'm yours, Lord. 
don't you think that he did whatever angels do to get back from wherever they came from and went into the choir room where the heavenly host was getting ready for choir practice and said, start practicing, guys, we're going to have a baby. Because there's a night coming in nine months when we're going to be in the heavens and we're going to sing, Hosanna. Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Do you understand that God comes into your life? God visits you. God presents Himself to you over and over and over again. And all He wants you to do is say, Yes! And he says, I'm going to unleash myself on you. There are some truths that we can learn from Mary's life. The first one is, no matter who you are or where you're from, God can use you. But let me even take it, not only God can use, God desires to use. God allows you, desires for you to be the vessel that he works through so that people can see him. We talked about it before. Follow me, do my work so that people may see your good works and what? Do what? Glorify the Father. God wants to use you. You say, I'm from here, so what? I did that, so what? I didn't have, so what? God. Purity is possible. A pure mind. A pure behavior, a sanctified life is possible. Because at that moment that you say yes to God, He indwells you with His Holy Spirit and empowers you. God pursues us all. There's not one of you in here today. Is call a good word? Is that a good word? Like, you're like looking at fruit, and the fruit's got a blemish, and you say, I don't want that one, so you cull it, you throw it away. God doesn't look at you and your blemishes. God doesn't look at you and your past. God doesn't look at you and your faults. He accepts you all. He doesn't cull anybody. He says, that's the perfect piece to the puzzle that I want to work out in life. He pursues us all. He wants us all. Fear is normal. Be available. Trust to God. What are you needing to trust God for today in your life? What has God been challenging you to trust Him with in your life? You know the preacher list, right? We always talk about relationships. We always talk about finances. We always talk about jobs. We always talk about habits. We always talk about addictions, those kind of things. And we talk about them because they're pretty, are pretty much broad and they pretty much hit everybody. What's God challenging you with today that he says, trust in me? 
do you realize that you could be a Mary that says, right now, behold, your maidservant, that actually translates bond slave, your bond slave, your person that is sold out to you, let it be according to your word. And some of those things feel impossible. I think it's good to call them impossible because with you it is impossible, but with him it is possible. So in just a moment, we're going to have a time of reflection while music is played. And could it be this morning that you've had the visitation that God has spoken and He wants you to come running and to lay it at the altar and say, Lord, here it is. Here's my eternity. I've been trying to run it. Here's my today and my tomorrow and my yesterday, God. Here it is. Here's that impossible person that I don't know what to do with or seems to always fail me. God, here it is. I offer it up to you.